Welcome to the Creative South Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Frostholm. Today, I talk with Ade Hogue. Ade is a freelance designer and lettering artist based in Chicago. We chat about starting college as a civil engineering major until physics kicked his butt, coming up in the industry working for the founder of Cards Against Humanity and different agencies, how a 30-day lettering project helped Ade push himself creatively and eventually led to him going out on his own, and more all right after this. Jack Prince is one of our favorite companies to work with. They offer great products at even better prices with some of the best customer service I've ever seen. Why not pick Jack Prince next time you need t-shirts, business cards, stickers, or flyers printed? Right now, Jack Prince is offering four-day turnaround on their most popular apparel products. That's four days with no rush fees, no hassle, and no BS. With apparel from popular brands like American Apparel, Next Level, Jildon, All Style, and more starting as low as $3.99 each. Now is the time to take advantage of this great offer. Visit jack.inc slash four days to order your apparel today. Plus, Jack Prince is giving Creative South podcast listeners 20% off all orders over $25 when you use promo code CREATESOUTH17 at checkout. Visit jackprince.com for your next order of stickers, prints, or whatever you need today. We've gone through and streamlined the Creative South podcast Patreon page, cleaning out the excess and making it easier for you to support us. With options starting at just $1 per month, you can help support the podcast and even wind up with some cool Creative South podcast swag. Every dollar helps cover hosting costs, upgrade equipment, and keep the podcast going. When you become a Creative South patron, you'll get access to exciting Creative South news before anyone else, Creative South podcast stickers and t-shirts. So please help support the podcast and become a patron over at patreon.com slash creative south. Hey, thanks for joining me this morning or this afternoon, whatever time it is. <laughs> it's a, it's yeah. an evening, so I think we'll say good evening. It's, yeah. it's still um, light out, yeah, so I, having me on. summertime confuses it me is. heavily. <laughs> yeah, I love it, though. I love it. Let's keep the sun up as long as possible. Yeah, these exactly. So where did you grow <laughs> up? We'll, we'll dive right into it. Um, yeah, uh, I was born in Virginia, a little southern mm-hmm. town, uh, like maybe... 15 minutes straight from the border of North oh, Carolina. Okay. Um, but I went to, I grew up like I, we moved to Asheville, North Carolina when oh, I was okay. young. So I grew up there. I think I kind of call that mm-hmm. home for me. Um, but of course, like Virginia definitely has a big part of like my, it's a big part of my background and growing up. Like most of my family still lives in Virginia. So I go back there a lot more. I go to North Carolina to visit friends. Sure. So, you know, growing up in Asheville, was it kind of the artsy mm-hmm. community that it is now or was it how how different was it at the time? You know, I, I honestly don't think I could really speak to it. I mean, yes, there was definitely uh, an art scene there. And it, it's, you know, Asheville is like home of yes. the hippies. Like it definitely has. That's what I was getting at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, a weird thing about me is I was never, never, ever interested in the arts. Really? Me. So I didn't really have an artistic background. I didn't take a single art class in high school or like elementary school or middle school or mm-hmm. high school. Um, of course, like we all take them in like elementary school where you're just like dabbling sure. around. But growing up, I never really had any interest in it. So I, I never really seeked it out. Uh, now I go back and I appreciate mm-hmm. it a lot more. But back then, yeah, I definitely did gotcha. not. What were you into as a kid? Uh, I was very really into tech stuff. Um, I 
when I graduated high school, I went to school to be a civil engineering major. Um, so I was big into like architecture and engineering. Like that, that's what I wanted. So, so you wanted I, to push dirt I around. I think so. I was trying to figure out like how my dream job, I knew this, <laughs> I knew this going into college. I don't know if, if I, it would ever even been possible, but my dream job was to design roller coasters. So I was like, what degree do I have to get to design a roller coaster? Even though it's probably like one in a million chance to even build a new roller coaster and I'm involved on sure. the team. Like that's all I want to do. So I had this grand vision of being a civil engineering major and then getting a master's in structural engineering. And I was going to like do it. I knew it. But then <laughs> I encountered this class called physics in, in college. And I was like, this is horrible. <laughs> and I, I, I learned quickly that I think physics has a big part in the way roller coasters yeah, work. Yeah, it definitely does. Uh, you want to keep them on the tracks, <laughs> keep them from going off the tracks. So Correct. centrifugal motion and all that fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I wasn't you, very good at that. So I gave up on that. Yeah. Team that, after about two years. <laughs> so you're going through school to be a civil engineer and then you discover yep. physics is a lot harder than you thought it was going to be. Uh, <laughs> what, what do you end up doing then? Yeah, uh, so it's, this is a weird part of it, is that um, I didn't know what I wanted sure. to do. Um, I took a semester. I couldn't really take a semester off because I really wasn't going to, like going home wasn't really an sure. option for me. Um, so I just took a, like a semester with no major, no declared mm -hmm. major. And I just like took some random classes and I was just trying to figure out like what the hell I wanted to do. I wasn't you sure. You can cuss if you want. Um, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I thought about that like mid, midway through the word. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i was trying to figure out what i wanted to do and i was lucky enough now the policy at the school i graduated from is a little different um now in order to even take an entry-level art class you have to submit uh, at least some sort of por portfolio when i was there you did not you could just take those entry-level like seriously that's that's so, weird because i mean normally you know most schools, as long as it's a liberal art, did you go to a liberal arts school? Yeah, they mm -hmm. want they want I'm you like to take well-rounded sure. things. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Um, but like now, I think you just have to have uh, some sort of portfolio, some sort sure. of base to to take a couple of classes. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure on this. Um, and so I stumbled into an art class, and I think I just took like a drawing class, and I was like, "This is cool," and I tried to figure out like what it was I was going to do with it, and I don't, I really don't know how, but. I, I started getting interested in logos mm -hmm. and I started looking at more logos and thinking about them. And I was like, these are cool. I wonder like what, what I need to do to do this. Uh, so I did a little more research on graphic design and I, it was a very spur of the moment sure. decision. I like went to my advisor and I was just like, okay, I think I want to be a graphic design major. And of course this is an engineering advisor. Mm -hmm. And she said, are you sure you want to do this? And I was like, no, I'm not. But I like, I probably shouldn't spend another semester undeclared so i just took more uh art design classes and slowly stumbled into it sure what'd your parents think at that point when you uh told them you know <laughs> physics is tough i'm uh i'm gonna um i'm gonna do a lot less math and stuff like that and uh draw a lot more what was it what was yeah. their reaction to that <laughs> Um, overall, my parents are very supportive. Uh, and so they were definitely down for the idea. Um, my mom didn't never really wanted me. It's, this is true today, even today. Um, but growing up too, never wanted us to like quit sure. on anything. Like we, she wanted us to make sure like that we didn't want to do it 
um, but not just like quit just because it was too difficult mm-hmm. at the moment. Um, so my mom questioned it a little bit more at the very beginning and like trying, especially like after that first full year of college, mm-hmm. like, all right, maybe you should try it again. Maybe like stick with it for one more semester. And then so I did it for one more semester and I was like, well, that's not going to be it. So then I spent that next semester, uh, undeclared and then hopping into a new major. So I think they had, they knew that I like at least given it a quality mm-hmm. shot. Like I wasn't just like, oh, I made bad grades this one year. I'm out. Mm-hmm. So that was good. They were they were positive and <laughs> um, keeping that. But they also realized that like, okay, I failed physics the first time and I made a D the second time. All right, let's be realistic <laughs> here. Like this is probably not yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it wasn't a failure I, I really for lack of trying. I'm guessing. <laughs> no, oh no, no, no. The first time physics was online, and I just did not, I could not do it. I would fall asleep on every online mm. lecture. Uh, and the second time, it was <laughs> even harder. And I was like, no, this is just not for me. This is not it. <laughs> so you, you, get in, you get into the arts program. You're, you're, you're doing graphic design, learning about all this stuff. Did you focus on anything <laughs> once you switched over? Or did you just kind of take general graphic design studies and go through that way? Um, so, oh, ours, our program is, was a cool one. I liked it a lot um, because it was a liberal arts sure. university. My degree technically is a Bachelor of Fine Arts. That's yep. all it says. It that, say that's mine anywhere. too. So you just, yeah. So we got a chance to take like a lot of stuff like sculpture mm-hmm. classes, 3D and painting and all that kind of stuff. Um, you just have to take more graphic design classes, of course. But we never, I never really got into anything specialized. I didn't, I really did not know what exactly I wanted to use design for. I thought the logo thing was like a, a good start, but I wasn't mm-hmm. sure. Um, but like getting to those senior level, like communication design classes, whereas was when I really like felt I was doing something mm-hmm. correct. Right. Like I was, we got to those classes and you would spend an entire semester on like a single concert, sure. like, you know, from rebranding it to package, to ads, to photographing it and like doing all that stuff. And I was like, this is just like, I mm-hmm. like this. Um, so that's like definitely where I, I did most of my focus, like most of my energy went into those things. And to that and the printmaking. So they kind of, it kind of went sure. hand in hand, like being able to print things and then being able to like produce a physical sure. thing. So what, what do you end up doing when you get out of school? Uh, was, I had all of my sights set on Chicago. I was, I, like I said, I was born in a super small town. I moved to Asheville, North Carolina, which is mm-hmm. a little bigger. Um, I moved to Charlotte for school, which is even bigger. And I was like, I still want to go somewhere sure. bigger. Like I think there's, there's something out there. And I was like, New York is not really it. And I had this weird, crazy process that I picked uh, mm-hmm. schools uh, or sorry, not schools, picked uh, cities to live in. Um, my major consideration, I made a list of all cities that had four professional sports. Teams. Okay. So if you had four professional sports teams, then I would like, I'd put you on the list as a contender. Cause I was like, that'd be a city that's at least large enough to like have fun. In, sure. Right? Like I like sports. It'd be fun. Like you can go to games and you know, like the atmosphere around it. So then the next part of it was like figuring out which cities I didn't like their, I hated their mm-hmm. teams. So it's like, you know, Boston has four professional sports teams, but I hate everything Boston sports. Like. So it's like, I can't go there. And so like, I ended up like narrowing down the cities. And I was like, Chicago seems cool. And like, I could just like get along with all the teams. I don't love them, but they'd be fun. Sure. So I like had my sights totally set on Chicago. And they have and five teams. I, unless um, you count like soccer they and do. stuff like that. They team. do. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't counting soccer, but I should have. Yeah. I know it's not nice of me, but um, so when I graduated or preparing to graduate, I had all my sites set in Chicago. I was I only applied to jobs in Chicago. My lease ended on June thirty first uh-huh. or June thirtieth, and I had to be out of Charlotte. 
and I had no real plan for what I was going to do. So luckily, a company called me about two and a half weeks before that date, and I got an interview. And we did like I think we did a couple phone interviews, and they were like, "All right, we're going to fly you out for like an interview with like the main person mm-hmm. in our office." And they were like t- telling me about booking flights, and I was like. I can just drive. Like, I'm just going to move early. And they're like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, let's just do it. So I literally just drove up with my car and my belong. Like, I all I had was like a sedan. So I sold everything <laughs> I had. And I've made the drive two weeks before I was even preparing to go. I was like, that's how I ended up. Kept, kept your clothes. So luckily, I had one Kept your clothes in your pillow and that was about it? <laughs> that's about it. Like, I packed the car and that was it was it was weird. Like, leaving everything. Like, not taking a single thing that made home feel mm-hmm. like home, you know? Um, and so I lived with a friend here. I was lucky enough to have one friend. She had just moved here too. And she let me stay on her floor for like two and a half months rent free. So that's how I ended up here. I was, I'm very thankful. Gotcha. For how long have you been in Chicago now? You've been there about <laughs> four years? Five, Five years. years. Okay. So, so had, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> had you spent much time in Chicago before that? Well, I came one time, uh, <laughs> I was. She moved up uh, in like January, uh-huh. I think. She graduated a semester before me. Went to college sure. together. Um, so she graduated a semester before me. So I came up in March for my birthday, like as a mm-hmm. birthday trip. Um, and I was like, "Oh, this place is like wonderful. I think I would love it." And I, you know, it was kind of chilly. Like we, were, you know, you wearing mm-hmm. a hoodie and like a, a beanie. And I was like, "Oh, I mean, it's not bad." And but I didn't really know what what you what you were getting into. Was. So so how how was yes. that first winter for you? How did it treat you? <laughs> So what's great about this first winter, that first winter of mine is apparently it was a mild winter. It, and I can say that confidently, like experiencing different winters sure. past that. Uh, so I went out and I bought, like I met someone, I met these, this group of people at a bar. They were older than me and they lived in Chicago their entire lives. And I was just like hanging out there and they asked me like, where I was from and all this other stuff. And I was like, I'm from North Carolina. This is my first winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this lady was like, I got three words for you. Eddie, Bauer, Parker. She was like, just go get one. And I was like, okay. So I went to the store. I bought like a fancy Eddie Bauer parka. And I, that whole winter was like absolutely fantastic. <laughs> it was like a, apparently a mild one. And I was like, I don't know what everybody complains about. Then the next year, I, I understood it. That was like the polar vortex years. Sure. The year and like the all the days like negative 20, like that kind of stuff. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. This, now this all makes sense. <laughs> it, yeah. Having um, my family's originally from Chicago. We lived there till I was about four. Yeah, I think four. And then we moved to Minnesota, so even farther north. But since oh, yeah. my since yeah. like my whole extended family still lived there, we would come back every year. And yeah, it's winter is uh, winter is rough above the Mason Dixon line. <laughs> it is, especially it the closer is. you get to Canada. Uh, summers are a lot more enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't I don't get too close. Like getting up in northern Wisconsin is is rough. Yeah, yeah. There. So 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 where do you, do you? I'm assuming you end up getting that job with that place that you interviewed a bunch of times at. And what mm-hmm. what are you doing there? Do you start off as a junior designer? Are you doing like production? What do you, what do you? Yeah. Um, I started off as they luckily just gave me the title graphic designer. And I was like, so proud of that. And I was like, Oh, I don't even have the title junior. I mean, I'm sure I was paid like a junior and not like a, a, a mid-level, sure. but I had the title of a mid-level. So that made me excited. Um, but yeah, it was a, an experiential marketing agency. Um, it was very, it was relatively small, like small mm-hmm. office. Um, actually it was perfect for me to come into that. I got hired with another person, a cop or uh, like mm-hmm. a writer on the same day. We we're both fresh out of school. So it was like, we both had this like 
experience together. It was it was good for both of us. Like, sure. oh, like we're both new to Chicago, figuring it out. But primarily, I did a, I did like a fair amount of like different things, like from comp work for pitches mm. and like pitch decks. Um, to what else do we do? We did like, um, like branding, some small branding kind of things internally for a couple of big clients. Um, but a big part of it was also doing a fair amount of production work. Um, the creative team was fairly small. There's only mm-hmm. four of us, creative director, art director, myself, a designer and a writer. Um, so the art director would like help to create and brand these kind of events cause they did events. And I would just like help to fully flesh out all the signage and like prepare all those files for print. So like, that was like my big, um, my big like learning experience with like setting up print files, like how do, to, to actually do them and how to, get them to the printer so the printer is not mad sure. at you and actually wants to work with you again and is going to try to meet your deadline um so it was, it was an invaluable experience i could not i don't know where i would be without that because i got to a job later on and i worked with other designers who didn't understand that mm-hmm. and i like, didn't understand that you could just like you can't just like convert your file from rgb to cmyk and just print it and everything yeah. right. so like knowing that i mean you can it's me. just not gonna work well you, can. you gotta go through there's a few more steps you need to go through <laughs> Your client might hate you, but yeah, you can yeah, try it. yeah. That's just because it looks good on the screen doesn't mean it's going to look good on a piece yes. of paper. Most definitely, and especially like with different surfaces, because that first job, because it was like experiential mm-hmm. stuff. So they were like, they were, we did we did events. So we did like um, for one of our clients, did like a major um, music festival, and it's like all the different materials that they were printing on to, like trying to keep those looks sure. consistent. You know, because the the thing that outside the tent's printed on is different than what the wall of the tent is and different from the hanging sure. sign. So getting all that and like navigating, like, you know, you get these samples back like they were overnight to you at a little square and like you see all the colors in it. And like, oh, this is not quite right. It's like trying to voice that over to the printer, like how we can get that a little closer mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. So, yeah, it was definitely a good experience. Cool. So where, where do you end up going after that? How long did you stay there? <sighs> I stayed there for maybe a year and a half. Yeah, right around a year and a half probably. Um, after that, I went and worked for, it was like a, a weird little stint. I worked for a, um, one of the co-creators of Carlton's Humanity. Um, I worked for him personally. I didn't work for Carlton's sure. Humanity. Um, and we like worked on some like new desktop games, but that was like kind of con- like a contract like experience. And I was only there for about eight months before transitioning to a different role. So what, during this contract, what were you doing? Yeah. Uh, we were creating tabletop uh, um, board games. Sure. Games. So, what's, what's it, from a design um, standpoint? So. What's involved with that? Because mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, granted, everybody knows like Monopoly and things like that, and I know Cards Against Humanity, which yeah. is like the simplest. Yeah, Pretty it's, simple. it's Helvetica, like, black yeah. and white. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't get much more simple than that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, this what was, was your role within it? Yeah. Um, so like I said, I was working for him independently, sure. so I wasn't a, right, a right. I understand employee that, yeah. at all. Um, so we were like, so I worked with a couple other games that he was like, he did this like gaming competition, like for other car, other tabletop game mm-hmm. creators to like compete, to have their game produced. Oh. Um, so I helped a couple of those get made, but the, the main one is, there's a game called slap 45. Mm-hmm. It's on my website. Um, and it's a table based card game where like, um, you know, have you heard of the card game Slapjack? Yeah. Like when you turn the cards yeah. over, you got the fastest yeah. person slap. It's like similar yeah, I always to that, lost, but like a Western theme. <laughs> yeah, you got you got to be quick. 
<laughs> but it was like a, a reaction-based card game that was like Western style. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, the cards would get turned over. You'd have to slap and react to it, but it could be a bad thing. But you'd also like slap and shoot at someone else. If it was a gun or a cannon, you would kill their people. It was actually a really fun game. But the cool thing about that is I got, that was like my first real experience working with other characters. Okay. Like we worked with a, an, an amazing illustrator to do all these illustrations of all these different characters and everything. And I took his artwork and had to like make it cohesive, mm-hmm. right? Like give it all a consistent background, make all the cards look the same, figure out the backside of, of the, the each of the cards. Sure. Um, brand, because each team kind of it has its own brand and own name, like brand each of those based on like his illustration. So it was like my first real taste of art direction, I would, mm-hmm. I would say, like not just being a designer, not just making something and then having someone else finish it. Um, it was like pulling together different pieces and then also having that experience from the last job printing because we were handling <laughs> the printing too. So like getting that and like get the construction of it. So it was like that first job paid off in a lot of ways. I was very happy about it. What, what challenges did you find along the way of working with other creators that you hadn't really expected? Because there, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that can come up and, you know, you're trying to balance yeah. a different personalities, different styles, mm-hmm. make sure that everybody has kind of the same vision going in. So everything is cohesive what what challenges did you experience along that way well see i guess the um the one thing about that particular project is i had come on after the concept and the creative vision had originally been started sure. so the illustrations were already in process when i got brought on so then it was my job to help finish that look and continue it um but overall we didn't have very many problems because like his illustration style was like what they wanted sure. Like it, and it's, it was so, it was lovely. It worked so well. So there was like a couple of things where like, cause they're actually involved, I think with a little bit of, um, like the, the illustrations are based on like different, like different ethnic backgrounds of like the Western sure. times. So sometimes like some of those things you have to be a little more sensitive about. And I think that might've been a little bit in there, but that wasn't, it wasn't like a big deal for us. Um, but the biggest thing and the hardest thing for me was all of his files. Of course, he's an illustrator mm. who like does this stuff all the time. He's amazing at it. But all of them come over these RGB files that are like crazy sized and like figuring out how to take like literally a hundred files. Oh, geez. And like convert them all and make sure all the color correction is like is up to bar, uh-huh. up to standard. You know what I mean? But that was like the big pain for that particular project. Because I think there's seven teams of seven people. Mm. So there's 49 illustrations of just characters. And then each of the seven has like a, a, a base and then another thing. And so it like it starts to like there were a lot of files to like be handled with this. Sure. So it's that was like a yeah, big Yeah, it sounds like to, it sounds pretty through. pretty large. <laughs> so so after this contract ends, where do you where mm-hmm. where do you move on to? Do you keep doing different projects with this guy? Do you start what what do you start doing? <clears throat> no, after that, like workers are to slow down as the winter was sure. approaching. Um and so I was just like at, over the summer I did get contacted by um, I'm not sure if it was like a recruiter really, or just somebody from a different, uh, from a different agency. And they asked me like what I was doing for work and was I happy with my job? And I was like, yeah, things are good right now. And they were like, well, just let us know when you're not. And I was like, okay, cool. So it was good when things slowed down. I felt like I had something mm-hmm. to go to. Like I didn't feel like I need to go through like an endless search. Um, so I'll end up in like November. I just like emailed them back like, Hey, there's still an opening. Uh, and then we, once we agreed um, on a position there, I hopped in as an agency as an art director. So um, that was in December of 2015. Okay. So, you know, this is your first time 
Well, I guess technically, you know, from what it sounds like at, at the contract job, you were acting as the art director for things. A little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. But this is... I was definitely not prepared for sure. it. Sure, so this... But that was like a good yeah, experience. So you get into this agency, and, and this is your first mm-hmm. time, you know, working with a much larger team that probably has structure yeah. and CDs oh, yeah. and AD, uh, ACDs <laughs> yeah. and all th- that stuff. Uh-huh. What What is that like for you? What's that experience like for you? Uh, that was, it was, that was for me a little bit of culture shock. You know, the first agency I worked at, I think there were 12 people mm-hmm. maybe like in our office, there, there was a, um, a headquarters in Seattle that was bigger. Um, but like what we worked on a daily basis was like 12 of us. And then of course I go to like working for an independent guy and I was working from mm-hmm. home. So I was like in my house all day. And then I went to an agency that had 300 plus boys. And like, that was a lot for me. I was like, first couple of days there was overwhelming. Sure. It was just like every day I was meeting new people. And I was like, I think I've met you, but I've also met 200 other mm-hmm. people this week. And so I can't really tell you like if what your name is and if I know anything about you right now. So, um, but yeah, the, the structure was a lot different and it was, I actually liked it. You know, it was, it was good to have that, that kind of structure at that point mm-hmm. for me. Um, Cause you knew that the other people had your back and they were, they were, there was support there to like, help you in that position right you're not just there by yourself right you you have acds and you have a crib right. director and like if you really care for it enough and like you can sell your acd and your crib director on it they're gonna sell it you know what i mean like they go take care sure. of the heavy lifting they'll talk to the account team they'll talk to the client and like help get this produced or sure. make it like the final vision or as close to it as, as you can so that sure. was good what was kind of the biggest learning experience you got from that situation um Man, I I don't know. I think for me it was, and I'm not sure like what the even right word for this is. It's not necessarily collaboration, but it was like just the ability to work together with a larger team and with lots of opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked on one of the larger accounts there as the art director, and like working with all those people and sitting through all those meetings and talking to this huge account team and everyone having opinions <laughs> like that was that was a huge learning experience like a learning curve for me like i was not used to that and i remember at one point like there was this project and it just kind of like i think the main people main two people were like out of town in a conference mm-hmm. so like all the junior level people the people below that were giving opinions like design related opinions mm-hmm. and they would say can we make this bar blue and can we make this thing thicker and can we do this and like it were very like specific points and like, i i really got upset i sent like an email and of course like the power of corporate emails you just send an email and you just cc whoever your boss sure. is <laughs> and like that that like gives you somehow a little bit more power <laughs> so i think i like sent this message and like cc'd someone and I, I like you can't give me design related feedback like this is not i i become professional as a designer like knowing what i'm doing and you're telling me just to change the, the color of this for no reason like if you can give me a valid reason why you think this should be blue if you say hey this particular blue is not in the client's color mm-hmm. palette then i can understand that but if it's just a personal preference that i'm just using a blue instead of white right here like that is not what your job is but that is what my job is it's my job to make those decisions so if, <laughs> i have that conversation still on a daily basis <laughs> good bit of power yeah i think we all do we all struggle with that so much in these larger companies too like everyone's giving these designer related opinions and feedback um and we are the professionals sure. right it's like I, I use that in so much of my life too it's like that's the reason why you hire somebody you don't hire a plumber 
and you go and like stand over his shoulder and like, oh, he didn't. You like, should really use the crescent wrench there. Well. Like, yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't go there and like stand over his shoulder and supervise him. You like let him do him or her do do their thing. And like, hopefully, the, you test it at the end and you see if it works. And if it doesn't, you tell them to come back and mm-hmm. do it again. Um, so I think that's important as a designer to like know that that you should have the power to to make those calls, make those decisions, and be able to tell them and be able to fight for those decisions that you mm-hmm. made and stand up for them. So I learned, I definitely learned that, and I'm so happy and proud that I have because I think it led me to to good things now sure. too. So at what point do you step out on your own and start freelancing? I'm assuming you didn't just, you know, decide one day with no backup, with no clients or anything like that, I'm going to be a freelancer. <laughs> it was, it was either a decision um, made for you <laughs> or yes, that's usually or, how it is. or you built up enough where you're like, I need to be doing my own thing. So which one was it for you? For sure. Uh, I, luckily I was not forced into it. Um, you know, some people talk about making the leap to freelancing. Sure. I put that in air quotes, the leap, um, for the people who can't see me on video like you are. Um, I say that I took the stairs to freelancing. Sure. It, was, it was a little, it was, I got, I got to the same place, but it was a slower journey. So to back up a yeah. little bit, when I was in that first job, I started like, with all the production stuff, I was like trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I started a 30 day lettering project and that kind of got me into mm-hmm. lettering. Um, and I like that led to doing more and more and I did more in the contract and I was doing a little bit uh, when I went to that agency, but I didn't get a chance to do a ton of it. And I got to this point where like I was doing a lot of type mm-hmm. work and I wanted to do more of it. And I realized that in this job, I was sitting in meetings more than I was sure. designing because I tra- I'd kind of made this transition a little bit from less design to more like meeting team stuff like coordinated with multiple people. <clears throat> and so um, it came, I like thought about this for about six months. It was like six months of like really hard deliberation. Like, should I do this? Should I not do this? Like, what are the risks? What are the rewards? And it really came down to like, I have this, I always say to myself, <clears throat> relative to most everything is that there's no better time than now. Um, so like, I really use that and like believe that. And I kept like telling myself, there's no better time than now, no better time than now. Six months later was that now. Um, and I, it was a hard decision because I really did not want to, I love the people there. Like to, to illustrate that, I still play on the company softball <laughs> every Thursday. And like, and I still go out with them a lot to drink and have fun. Like they were just a great group of people and I made a lot of really good friends, mm-hmm. friends there. So, so you didn't burn any bridges. Was a hard choice for me. No. So when I actually put in my notice, I was, I was unfortunately, I had to put in my notice when my boss was out sure. of town. So like I had to email them, which I like felt horrible about, honestly. Um, but I knew I needed to um, to do it right then, so I can like I had a date set. And I was like, if I don't leave, by, I think it was May. Yeah, May first. I was like, I have to do it by May first. Um, so I put in my notice, and they actually once he got the email, he was like, oh, I'm sad to hear that, but I understand it. And once he got back into town, I think they talked with like the the higher ups, and they really wanted me to stay around, and they were like, but they understood why I wanted to be a freelancer. They understood the lettering passion sure. was there. Um, so they actually offered me to stay on part-time. So I stayed on part-time with like full benefits, which is great. Like that's not health insurance is good. Uh, so yeah. So that was this, that was taking the stairs, like being part-time. And I did that for about a month before it just became overwhelming. Like my biggest regret in that is we didn't, and this is their first time ever doing this for someone of my knowledge. Um, none of us understood how much, I was doing on a daily basis 
that couldn't that I needed taken off my plate. So they, I still stayed on my same major account and my major account actually became an official Olympic sponsor mm-hmm. that year. So it was like even high, like more energy for more stuff. And like, it was just a lot of things going on. So my schedule was to work Monday, Tuesday in office with them half day, mm-hmm. Wednesday from home. So, and the rest of the days, the intern would fill in for me. So what, what it ended up becoming is I would spend Tuesday and the half day Wednesday from home preparing the intern for what would need to ha- what needed to happen oh, the rest of the week and I would I would come in on Monday to answer emails that I I would ignore I literally I learned this quickly like I had to stop looking at emails on that on Thursday mm. and Friday I could not be there like if you needed me you had to text me because I needed to focus on something else like my this new career I was building sure. so it's been all day Monday catching up on 200 emails and then looking at what the intern had done and then like giving feedback to that so we could like make that a better thing. So I realized I was doing even less designing and it became even more stressful for mm-hmm. me. So that's where I ended that. And I was like, no, oh, this is still not yet. I like, I really love this and I really want to be around you guys, but it's not right for me right now. Um, it's just causing me more stress than it's helping me right now. Sure. I, mean, I, I do miss those paychecks, but yes, it was just, it was, it was a lot for me. Um, so I had to like stop that. And then, yes, that led to the, the full-time freelancing, which is where I'm at now. Gotcha. Well, well, like you said, let's let's back up a little bit and talk about the lettering and where. Yeah. What made you decide to do a thirty day project with it? Uh, I don't really know what like really sparked it. I don't know. I really I don't think I do. I, I, I one thing I definitely know was like a, a major part of it is there's a, a website called Cotton yeah. Bureau. Yeah. It's a like a crowdsource pre order t shirt brand. Um, which I love. And I did this skull like day of the day illustration. And, you know, of course they give you like a percentage of like a dollar amount from every every t-shirt that's Mm -hmm. sold. And I remember like saying, okay, whatever this total is, I'm going to take this entire check and I'm going to spend it on blick.com. I want to buy some things I've never (laughs) tried before. So I ended up with, I think we sold in that first run. I don't know. I can't even remember, but I ended up getting a check for like, or a deposit for like over a hundred dollars. And I was like, all right, I got a hundred plus dollars to buy pens and art stuff. So I just like went crazy. Christmas came early. A bunch of pens <laughs> I'd never heard of. Yeah. And I just like went all out. And so once I had all these, I was like wanted to experiment with them. And I started drawing with them all a little bit more and more and more. And then I think I just like, all right, let's start this 30 day project. Let's try it. Mm. Um, and that it, it led me to explore a lot more like creatively. I was trying to figure out what kind of style. I was capable sure. of at the time. So the 30 days, I'm assuming you're just kind of learning different, teaching yourself different ways to do things and explore different yeah. styles with that. When do you start really pushing yourself past that to, because 30 days is a great head start, but yeah. it's not, it's not time mm-hmm. to master it. Mm-hmm. When do you, no, not at when, all. when do you start kind of diving in and getting deeper into it? Because I, I think, you know, most people who know you know you for your lettering. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and it's not, I, have, I haven't even been doing it that long. I mean, <laughs> that was four, three years ago, four years I'd, ago, really. I'd say that says um, a lot about the quality of it, so. <laughs> thank you very much. Um, I Yeah, I, um, for a while, it was, it was a lot of experimenting. And if you even look back on Instagram, like that was, if it, that's a while to scroll back. When you scroll back that far, um, you'll see like the 30-day project in, and it kind of, continued a mm-hmm. little bit and like the, the same i was doing the same kind of thing like single words like just trying stuff out seeing what worked um the way i did the 30-day project was just like 
I would think of one word per day and I would do, I would letter that word sure. in some sort of style, whatever it was. Um, so I kind of continued doing that a little bit. And then I think like the Olympics was around or, or World Cup or something like that. And I like made something for that. And like, so I was just like, whatever these moments mm-hmm. were that I wanted to talk about socially, um, I would just draw, illustrate something for that. And then I did like, yeah, through that, I, w- I did like a, a Black History Month project. And then that was, I, I wasn't able to make it for that entire month. Like I was trying to do a lettering piece. That work is, I do not like it whatsoever, but that was the first time that I really started exploring doing phrases. Sure. So I was like pushing from a single word to doing like, working on composition and even different styles for different mm-hmm. words. Um, so then that carried on for a while. Um, but it probably wasn't really though until late working with the, the in the contract game design mm-hmm. thing that I really started to, to understand and push type a little bit mm-hmm. more. Um, and then that kind of, like I, I really learned this vector process, you know, with the right, right angle and sure. like putting that at the extrema. Um, Neil Secretary, I think is how you pronounce uh-huh. his name. He is a pretty well-known uh, letter. He would post screenshots all the time of his. And what I, I told him, I actually met him for the first time at Creative South. Oh, really? Year, I didn't even I know like, he was there. Struck. Yeah. Yeah, he was there. And I was like, dude, uh, I've been like a big fan of your work forever. And like, you're the, one of the reasons why I do this. And I was like, this is weird that I'm on stage and you're like looking at me. I can't like handle this. And I got really nervous <laughs> at the very beginning of that. Um, but he would post screenshots at the anchor points. And what I would do is actually like take those screenshots, I would put them in Illustrator and I would trace over mm-hmm. it. Like and I would try to put those anchor points in the same place. And that's how I learned how to do that. Um, and I, I still do that to this day in hopes that people, <clears throat> people do the same thing. They trace mm-hmm. that work because I think that was important for me because I no longer needed for those particular pieces. I did not need to work on the lettering style or figure that part mm-hmm. out, how, how beautiful it looks. I would only work on the technical part sure. of it. Um, so that helped me out a ton. And of course, like I say, yeah, I took his work and I traced over it, but I wasn't sharing that stuff. I was just doing that to practice and then I would transition and make that for my Right. Well, I think that's a, um, I think that's a great way to do things. That's a great way to learn because like you said, you're learning the technical yeah. aspect of it. You're not, yeah, for you're sure. not copying it to sell it to somebody else. You're learning, you're copying it Correct. so you can learn how to do it for yourself. So you don't have to copy someone mm-hmm. else. Yeah. I mean, even I thought back, like when I first started doing that, I thought back to the, I was like, is this wrong? Like, should I be doing this? But I thought back to like, you know, year when I was in high school and I was taking architecture and drafting classes, they would like give you a house that's already designed and you have to redesign it. Like you just have to draw it over again and cat. Mm-hmm. Like that they have it all measured out for you. It's just so you can like, you don't, you're not thinking about what's the pitch of the roof is sure. and where the doors and the windows go. You just figure out how to put them in into a technical drawer. And then you develop your, once you have that skill, you develop the creative side of it where you're, the one constructing the letters you're the one working with form um and but you still have that technical ability that mm-hmm. you learn so when, when you fast forwarding back to where you are now you know are, are you almost entirely doing lettering projects as your freelance work or are you doing you know other things to pay the bills as well yeah the yeah, what i've learned is in freelancing um I, I, I never set out when I left that last job, I never set out to make freelancing the end for me. I'm, I'm a total extrovert. So being at home, being working for myself and not being around collaborators is hard sure. for me. So I don't really think that freelancing will be a forever thing for me. Um, but what I told myself when I left that job is like freelancing is the step I need to take to get to where I want to be. I was like, the way I'm going to ever get more lettering work is to do more lettering work. So let me figure out how I can do more lettering work. 
Um, so I do a fair amount of it in my freelance work, but you also, I learned that you, it's not always realistic, especially at the beginning. Sometimes you have to just do whatever the hell's going to pay mm-hmm. the bill. Right. And like, it could be not that fun. Um, but you have to do it sometimes. So, uh, I get, I'm lucky cause I get to do a fair amount of it, but it's not everything. Sure. Me yet. No, I completely understand. Maybe I just did on a bunch of PowerPoint templates cause <laughs> the paycheck was yeah. <laughs> really tough to turn down. <laughs> Like yeah, you really don't like that, but like uh, I can still do it. I can do this. No, like, I mean they had they a had a bunch of listed, time and I knew get a solid check. what it would yeah. take, and it was in my wheelhouse. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I need totally. My wife needs yeah. a new computer. I need my kids <laughs> need a new iPad. Eventually, they're gonna have to get braces or something like that. I might as well start. Uh, you know, I, I can I can sacrifice my pride a little bit to uh, be able <laughs> yeah. to pay the bills. Yep, that's exactly <laughs> what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to do you have to do the things you have to do in order to do the things you want to do. So sometimes you just have to take up certain projects or t- certain jobs or get a part time job, whatever it takes, just to get to the place that you want to be. And there's nothing wrong yeah. with that. So you've been freelancing for a little over a year now, right? Yep, mm-hmm. I just crossed the year mark. The last congratulations. Month. What's what's been the I'm, I'm thinking I know the answer based on the way you answered something else. So I'm I'm gonna ask it this way: Has working okay. in isolation by yourself been the most challenging uh, <laughs> part of it for you? No, I'm actually got really really lucky to be honest. That when I first went freelance, I like was working from home, and I worked from home uh, at the contract job, so I was sure. used to it. I knew what to expect, and I knew how you had to get out and how you had to like make friends and like schedule appointments and coffee and like just so you could uh, keep your sanity. Or for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, so that as soon as like maybe a couple months, maybe not even that, maybe like less than a month after that, I went to an old client, something I've done like a couple pieces from, they're actually a friend of mine and we worked, we were like working on something new or actually I just, I think I went there just to like check out the space because they had moved to a different office and I hadn't been sure. there. And so I did like a, a piece of wood that was, uh, jigsawed out and like mounted it. It was like their, their, I did a script version of their company name and mounted it on the wall. And so I was like, it was sitting, of course, like they had mounted it in a new space above this couch. And it was like really cool. Mm-hmm. That's like went hung out. And we started talking about new projects. And then eventually it got around to me painting a mural in their space. And once I painted that mural, I was like, oh, this is fun. Like you guys are fun to hang around with. But it kind of ended there. And I think I came back to a happy hour maybe a couple, couple weeks later. And somebody else who they know, like who's a designer in Chicago, was talking about like possibly renting out an office that they have in these two uh, up in this like tap room behind their space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I thought about it and it's like near the end of that night we were like cleaning up. I was like, were you serious about like maybe written out of space? Like, and he was like, yeah, of course. And I was like, what would you like, is there any interest like having me work here? And he was like, yeah, let's talk about it. And I said like a couple days later, we like had a discussion about it. Uh, we figured out some uh, terms for it all. Uh, and I began to work out of their space. So it's been great. They like treat me like an employee. Uh, which is absolutely fantastic, even though I'm not, I'm like there like two or three days a week sure. usually. Um, but like, you know, two weeks ago they had a company retreat in Northern Wisconsin and like they just invited me to go on their company retreat. So it's like, I'm, I get that same like agency office mm-hmm. feeling because they're a marketing agency uh, without necessarily having to be fully tied down to it. So, cause I usually work from home like two to three days a week and go to the office two to three days a week. Kind of like just depends on what my workload is and if I have meetings somewhere else. Sure. So, it's good. That like gives me that interaction that I really crave. I need. Yeah. What during this time, what's been the most rewarding thing that uh, you've, you've learned from freelancing? 
or you've experienced. Mm-hmm. I don't know if learned is the right word. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just like being able to really, I know everyone like, everyone who goes into freelancing is like, I just don't want to like, you go to work at eight o'clock every day and like whatever, whatever. I've learned so much about myself from this experience and how much I still need schedule. I need something that's regular. So like I have to get up and like go for a bike ride or go to the gym or go for a run, like, like to start my day off properly. So I'm not just like slouching around. So I've learned a lot about like what it takes for me to function, mm-hmm. I think. So if I ever do move back into full-time role, I know like what is going to be most successful for me, like how I have to structure my days because it's hard as a freelancer. Like, you know, those creative spurts, they, it's the same as like when you're working at an agency sure. or company, but those at a company, you just have to like blast through that because it doesn't really yeah. matter if you're not feeling great right. right now because they say they need to send this by 5 p.m. Um, but like still working through those same kind of feelings as a freelancer when those deadlines aren't as tight usually, you know, there's not anybody breathing down your neck for it um, until like it's time to produce it. Gotcha. Well, so I, you know, I, I was, I was asking you about things that you've learned and I, Correct me if I'm wrong, and if if I am, I will cut this part out. But I think you put up a tweet um, a few days ago, maybe a week ago, about the three things that you've learned in the uh, your year of freelancing. Was did I? Oh, I'm trying to remember what it was. Now I'm completely blanking, so I'm going to have to cut it out. But one of them was, you know, I think it was, you know going back to work in an office isn't failure. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, uh, I think what I said was, I've, I've, one thing that, that taught me, that freelance, freelancing has taught me is how to redefine what failure That's what is. It was. Um, and I said that it's not only what failure isn't, because it's also what failure, what, what failure is, but it's also what failure sure. isn't. You, in order to define what is failure, you have to define what is not. So I'd like really think about like, what does failing as a freelancer mean? Because I always thought like, as soon as you quit your job, everyone's like, oh my God, you have a dream. Like, and they put this pressure on you, this weird pressure mm-hmm. that like you are living the life. And you have to tell them like, this is harder than it no, seems. No, busting my ass 24 seven to. <laughs> yes, that everyone's not doing this. Um, so it feels like if you ever go back to something like that, then that you mm-hmm. failed. Like it's, I would have trouble admitting that admitting that um but now i've like redefined what i think failure is for me um and so that that i've made the decision that failure is not going back to a full-time job like that's not failure that's just a different step it's not a lateral step it's not a backward step it's just a step in a different direction and that's totally okay um so yeah that was a big part of of learning as a freelancer but i'm I'm sad it took me a year to figure it out but i'm glad that i do know it now so so on the, on the opposite side of that, what is, uh, after a year, what does success look like for you? So I think success is, is hard to define. Sure. For me, success is not a, a monetary thing. It's not a status thing. It's not a number of followers that you have on your Instagram account. Success is glad to is hear feeling, that. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. I struggle. I still struggle with that. And I try to like make sure to remind myself like very importantly that like the number of likes and all that number of followers doesn't necessarily indicate how great of a designer or creative or anything that well, you I'm, are. I'm glad you're not um, a Kardashian. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, great. Cause I think I would get like some free stuff. Well, yeah. Like, that part I'm would be being nice, realistic here. You'd also be a Kardashian. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, success for me was like figuring out, figuring out where I wanted to be creatively and creating a high level of work. But most importantly, I think success for me is being, um, 
being, I don't know what the word for it is, being uh, highly revered by your mm-hmm. peers. Like having my, my, my peers, people who are not only designers, but specifically letters sure. who I look up to and I admire say, I like your work or I like what you did. And they comment on things and like we have that discussion. I think that to me was really important. That to me is success is having those, having, feel, having that feeling that you are in your industry and the people who are also in your industry respect you as much as you respect them. Like that was super important. So that's the, that is success for me. I feel like I am cl- much closer to that than I ever was now. Sure. So, you know, coming, coming off that and, you know, being respected by your peers, I noticed uh, right after Creative South, you had, oh, I don't know, probably 15 or 20 photos from Creative South with like every person who even touches lettering in some form or fashion there. All in these yeah, huge yeah. group shots, so it was it was really nice yeah, to see that. Sure. It, it, I'm, I'm sure that yeah. helped. That community, I know it's yeah. I love Creative South, of course. Uh, but that community of letters too was just fantastic, and yeah, I'm like always. I, I want to be a part of that, um, and I never felt more part of that than this past year there. So yeah, it was really good. Gotcha. <laughs> and and speaking of Creative South, you you had the opportunity to speak yeah. there this year. Have you done much speaking before that, or any speaking before that? <laughs> Yeah, I've um, I was lucky enough that the school I graduated from um, has like they will have um, people come speak to classes, and I was lucky enough to like have a good relationship with my professors, a good deal of sure. them. Like I still every every time I go back to Charlotte, I if I can't go to their class, I will have lunch with my professors, mm-hmm. which says a lot for me. It means a lot. They don't do that with everyone. I know that for sure because I know plenty of my my friends don't even go back sure. there. Um, so I, I'm honestly, I'm not in a place where financially I can like donate a crazy amount of money to it. Well, it's because you're a graphic the designer. Way I feel like I can g- <laughs> yes. Yeah, of course. I'm a freelancer. <laughs> but the way I feel like I can give back to my university is to talk to students and teach them things. And, you know, it's that thing where like, you know, your mom can tell you something a hundred times mm-hmm. and your professor could too, but you're never going to really listen to it. But if someone that you feel like you can kind of relate to that's of similar age tells you the same damn thing, you're like, you like, Oh yeah, this guy's yeah. cool. And like, I can do that too. So I like, just come in and kind of like reinforcing their points too. Like I now I understand it a little bit more. So yeah, I had a chance to like speak at a, a couple classes, which is good sure. for me. Um, and then I had a chance to speak at a different conference, a, a little bit smaller conference, uh, 2015. So, and then 2017 for creative South. So yeah, I've had a little bit of, public speaking experience i the stage and the light don't bother me really it's i know that i, I am a mumbler <laughs> and so like that is the biggest thing that i struggle with is how much i mumble or can people actually understand uh, i've been able to so understand you the podcast, entire time so you haven't been mumbling somebody's gonna like log into this podcast and they're like i can't understand a damn word he's saying <laughs> uh so i'm not gonna learn anything that's like my worst sure. fear so is speaking something you'd like to do more of or? Yeah, for sure. Um, I love it. I love sharing a little bit more. I'm, I'm working on like what a, a better approach to it is too. Um, like what I'm talking about and what I'm giving to the audience, I think is important. Sure. Um, I feel like I've done, I did, I do a worse, I've done a worse job at that in the two pre- like large scale presentations than I've done at the, at university. Sure. At universities, it feels like I, I, I definitely know the, the message a little bit better, like speaking to, to someone who's definitely younger than I am for the most part. I mean, there's a not traditional students, but for the most part, younger with less experience than I have. So I know what their vision, what their goals are. And I'm trying to help them get to that mm-hmm. goal. When I speak to my peers, it, it's a little bit different and I'm not hundred percent sure. Sure. 
Uh, and that's why that's I think figuring that out a little bit more was it will be helpful in the future. Um, but I think you only learn that by doing no, it. Like, I, I, you know, I have to like do. Yeah, I struggle with that same yeah. thing. So that's mm-hmm. why I started a podcast where I interview people so I don't have to be the one in the spotlight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good idea. yeah. So, you know, we're, we're getting kind of close to our time. What, you know, yeah. what um, exciting do you have coming down the pike? What, uh, what, what that you can talk about, obviously. Um, anything you're looking forward to? Um, I have, there's really, as far as like exciting things down the pipe, um, a large project that, that I had that was really exciting got canceled. Oh, it's like, that was a big bummer to me. Uh, so I'm still like really trying to figure out, like replace that time because it should have been happening now and a little bit in the past. Um, so things coming down the pipeline, I don't really have much of like of any super high importance. Like I'm doing letter sure. pieces and some branding stuff, but nothing that's major. Um, and no disrespect to any of those clients who are listening. Sure. Um, but I think right now is I'm, I've been focusing a lot more on, on art. I'm trying to figure out this blend of art and design. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I went to an art school. So I, I, you were forced to like, not forced, but taught to, to explore creativity in so many different mm-hmm. ways. So I tried to do that as much as possible. Yes, I love lettering. Um, but lettering is not everything for me. Um, I do paint. I do some photo stuff and like, I'm, I like to try to mix these things together. So I, as, as we're sitting here right now, my computer is sitting on top of my desk that has like a bunch of trace paper <laughs> with lettering pieces, uh, some transparencies. And like, I'm working on trying to figure out cyanotypes, uh, the process of like, uh, exposing these prints in sure. the sun. And it's like, has this wonderful blue hue. And so like, that's, I'm trying to figure out how to mix photo and type in, in a more artistic way still. So that's, that's where I'm at currently like trying to figure out that where, where, so that's where did fun. that project come from it doesn't it no i mean was there anything, anything in particular that you were just like i want to play with cyanotype or was it just you saw no. somebody working on yeah, it, it, it just, and like, that was cool no i like i'd known about cyanotype for a long time and i think i've always wanted to try sure. them i just never got around to it and it just wasn't until that project got canceled that i've I was like, I have more time to even try this now that like I'm trying to figure out how else I want to pay the bills. So let me just like try to make some art. Um, Cause that's for me, that's therapy too, you yeah. know, like, and I do, a lot of people know me for the work that this fancy script stuff that's like really refined mm-hmm. and you know, what some people say gorgeous. What I like to do a lot of is the really sloppy, messy. I do like, um, I do a style a lot. It's like a, a natural handwriting script sure. style that's, really hard to read and actually really enjoy that like i would do these huge i would do these panels um and i would write an entire panel of like secrets or like post personal or emotional mm-hmm. thoughts um but no one could ever read them and i think that was the beauty in it for me it's like sometimes i can't write it it's like i can't read it it's like when you write something you write something in your notebook real fast and like, like what the hell was yeah. i saying and i kind of like that like i'm putting all this emotion out um, and all these feelings out but sometimes i can't read it and i know my viewers can't read it and they might be able to pick up a word or two that's in there um, so like, yeah, I do a lot of that kind of stuff and I'm trying to figure out how to infuse that into more things. Um, cause of course that stuff is not for the client. Sure, like, that's just no for client you. wants you to write something that they can't read. Like they want to like, mm, can you make that like a little more legible? And then like you've ruined this whole purpose. Yeah. This. Um, so yeah, figuring out how to, how to blend that style that I want to play with a little bit more into other things. Cool. That's what I'm working on. So I maybe I'll have to like post something cause I haven't posted anything with that in a very, very long time. Um, Maybe I'll have to share some more of that kind of stuff soon. Time to get on it. Keep me honest. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, so wrapping up, where can people find you online? 
Uh, you know, I love I love Instagram. That's my that's my jam. Um, so Instagram at Adehog A D E H O G U E, and then same on Twitter. And you can find me on Facebook, but you don't want to find me on Facebook. I tell people all the time, it's the same thing that's on Instagram. Don't bother. <laughs> like just clear off one of your channels, right? I'm not giving you some some political stuff, really. I mean, every now and then, but very rarely. And I'm not doing other things. Like it's just the same post that's on Instagram. <laughs> uh, and then of course my website. Uh, com. so of course you can always reach me and email me from there if, if you have any questions or you want to talk to me about lettering which i love i'm always happy to answer questions or give feedback um the worst possible thing to, to do for me is send me a facebook message or an instagram message because i see those and i like rarely respond to them just because of like i'm it's information overload yeah. right it's like I try to spend little time on those sites. So like, of course you see it and I'm like, I can't I don't have time to reply to this right now. And then it never gets replied to because it falls down the chain. Uh, I'm, I'm the same way. Again, I'm so. about the only person I reply to on uh, Facebook messenger is my mom. Cause yeah, that, that's her away. new, I'm that's horrible. her new email. <laughs> yes. I'm like, if you send an email that like, at least I will, I check that regularly yeah. and I go back through to make, to make sure I haven't missed something. Cause that happens from time to time. Like that, that, did I reply to that email? And I scroll back and I'm like, no, I didn't. And like that's, but I never do that for, for like uh, any kind of messenger app. Nope, so me either. yeah, if you have questions, they want to talk, share. Cause I know after creative South, I was like overwhelmed with people reaching mm-hmm. out. Uh, like a lot of people commenting on things and I had people like send me things. I had one person send me some, some, I, mm, I'm saying this now and I realized I never replied to him, uh, <laughs> but he sent me like a bunch of images in Instagram for feedback. And I was like, this, for me, this is not a good way to do that because I can't, even like you even have a character limit there. I can't give you like a feedback sure. that I think you should hear via that. Like send me an email and we can like set up time to discuss. We can have a Skype or uh, G chat and like actually talk about it like for real. But mm. yeah, for sure. Cool. I'm always down to help. Cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me tonight. I appreciate yeah, sure. it. Thanks it was a lot of fun. Me. Yeah, this was. I, I, I get... I'm, I'm never going to listen to this, I promise you, because I cannot stand the sound of my own voice. So I really hope this turns out. I, I, I'm not offended. I, uh, I know a lot of people like, like that. You've already had stand. the conversation, too, so you don't need to listen back to it. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear what I said. I probably said something stupid. I don't, my, so I'm really quick. My dad came to the first conference talk I gave in 2015. Mm-hmm. He sat in the front row. He recorded the entire thing. 45 minutes on his iPhone and he sent it to me and I watched literally two minutes of it. And I was like, I can't watch this anymore. This is, this is not, I cannot like see and hear myself for that long. In two minutes. I said, you know, 15 times. (laughs) (laughs) Sound about right. How many times I dropped it? Yeah. How many times I dropped the F bomb on stage? Like, man, I got to work. My dad was there and I sat in front of him. (laughs) Yeah, I did. I really did. So yes, I apologize. Yeah, yeah, I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. (laughs) No problem at all. So we end every podcast by saying, "Go out and hug some necks." You've been to Creative South. I will. You you kind of know what that means. Would you mind taking us out by uh, saying that? Just um, just by saying, "Go out and hug some necks." So to all of the the Creative South podcast listeners, just go out there, show a little love, and hug a few necks. You never know when it'll make somebody say it better. Perfect. Thanks, Ade. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
You can find out more about Ade on Twitter, at Ade Hogue. And be sure to check out the links in the show notes for more ways to keep up with him. You can keep up with the podcast on Twitter and Facebook, at Creative SO Pod. And follow Creative South on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Creative South GA, over at CreativeSouth.com. And I'm at Jay Frostholm on Dribble, Twitter, and Instagram. Visit jackprince.com and get 20% off orders over $25 when you use promo code CREATESOUTH17 at checkout. For a limited time, new Skillshare customers can get their first three months for just 99 cents to get unlimited access to thousands of classes when you sign up at Skillshare.com using promo code CREATIVESOUTH. What are you waiting for? Start learning today. And remember, if you like the show, help support us over at Patreon.com slash CREATIVESOUTH. And if you like the Creative South podcast, head over to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play Music. Rate us and leave a review. This helps more people find the podcast and allows us to keep getting awesome guests. Now go out and hug some necks. Thank you.